Once again, to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. How is everybody doing here on this day of 2023? Happy New Year. This is going to be a jam-packed show. I know a lot of sports talk radio stations have decided to take a break today because it is a federal holiday, but I'm not because there are so many things that I need to talk about. We do have a great show, but before we get into everything... Just want to remind all my listeners that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key from 2 to 3. And we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar and Grill, Christie's Cafe, the Man of the Mirror podcast, and Local Grounds Coffee Company. I am super excited to just be here with you because I have such a great show today. I do not have a guest, but as we kick things off in 2023, what better way than to talk about the college football playoff and the two amazing games, probably the two greatest college football semifinal games simultaneously happening on New Year's Eve. And it was just great football. And I'll get into both. I'll briefly preview the national championship that's coming up on Monday, TCU versus Georgia, and then all the playoff scenarios in the National Football League. I will get into that as well. And of course... I can't have a show without talking about LeBron dropping 47 on his birthday against the Hawks. So I have some thoughts about that as well. All right, I want to start things with, you would think I would start with Michigan TCU because that was the game that happened first. But no, I want to start with Georgia and Ohio State because I do have some thoughts about this game. As a Georgia fan, watching it on the couch, I have to be honest with you, that first half, I was just disgusted on pins and needles Georgia looked terrible, and Georgia should have lost this game. C.J. Stroud was playing out of his mind. I could not believe just the poise that he had in the pocket, even when he got a little bit of pressure. And Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best wide receiver in all of football. But Georgia was resilient. Georgia had a leader at quarterback. He had poise and resiliency, and Georgia was able to come back from two 14-point deficits, but I have to be honest with you, when the score was 35-24, to because Georgia kicked the field goal to go up 24-21, to and Ohio State had no problem just marching all the way down the field, scoring that touchdown to ending it at the half, 28-24. to But then I kept saying, I don't think the Stetson Bennett could get in a shootout with C.J. Stroud. It looked very glim for Georgia's hopes to come back in this game when they were down 35-24 to and it looked like that Ohio State was going to put up another touchdown to make it 42-24. Well, C.J. Stroud, he throws up a haymaker in the back of the end zone. It looked like it was going to be out of bounds, but right at the last minute, Marvin Harrison Jr. looked like he went out of bounds and went back in to make the catch. And then they reviewed the play for targeting. And it clearly wasn't targeting. But if it was targeting, let's say that they actually got the call on the field that it was targeting. Ohio State would have had half the distance to the goal. 
Ohio State would have punched that in, and it would have been 42-24, and that's your ballgame. I don't think that Georgia could come back from a three-touchdown deficit. Georgia holds Ohio State to a field goal. Now it's 38-24. to All right, the next possession, I kept saying, Georgia's got to get a touchdown here. If Georgia does not get a touchdown here, I don't think Georgia can come back and win this game. And I panicked a little bit. I put on my Twitter page that it was over, that I don't think Georgia could come back. Georgia played an awful game. Their secondary got torched by the Ohio State wide receivers. And actually, Ohio State was getting pressure on Stetson Bennett. Stetson threw a ill-advised pick earlier in the game. But when Georgia kicked the field goal and it was and it was 38 to 27, Georgia got a stop. They needed to get a stop. I honestly think if Marvin Harrison Jr. was still in the game, I don't think they would be able to stop Ohio State. They got the stop they needed and a quick strike to Arian Smith with just about eight minutes left to go. It flipped the momentum in this game. Georgia gets the two-point conversion, and Georgia is now down 38 to 35. Now, the game was at the bins in the Peach Bowl, and you would think that Georgia had a home field crowd. Absolutely not. It was 50-50. Ohio State fans are the best fans in college football when it comes to traveling to away games. Ohio State came to play. They threw the kitchen sink at Georgia, and Georgia had a terrible game. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Georgia fan, and it's just a biased opinion of mine. But I think with Georgia coming back and getting the stops they needed, Ohio State was marching down the field. Georgia held them to the field goal. And Georgia had a chance to win the game, and that's exactly what they did. They went up 42-41, to but still, C.J. Stroud's legs getting Ohio State into field goal range. The things that were going through my mind, I'm thinking, oh, well, it was a valiant effort, but Ohio State's going to win this game. Throughout the entire game, I felt Ohio State was going to win this game. I didn't really have all the faith that Georgia can pull it out because of how great Ohio State was and how great they played of a game. But how cool was it that the Ohio State kicker missed the field goal attempt? And it was a not a chip shot field goal. It was a 50-yarder. How cool was it that he missed it right at the stroke of midnight? They kept playing the replay on other feeds and the game cast. And you know, other networks were broadcasting the game, just a different perspective. And that was awesome. Georgia wins. It's one of those things where Georgia survives and advances. And Georgia's going to play TCU in the national championship because before the Georgia game, TCU, who was coming into the game against Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl as a huge underdog, they defeat the Michigan Wolverines 51-45. to But the story was the Michigan Wolverines outgained TCU and they were going up and down the field. Michigan got the ball first, and they came all the way down to the goal line. They could not punch it in on a fourth and goal. They were trying to get cute with a Philly special. And TCU also had two pick sixes. I mean, that was the difference in the game. I mean, TCU had a 41-22 lead. Michigan did make a comeback. The TCU was able to hold them off. And Michigan even had a chance to win it at the end of the game. But Max Duggan didn't have the greatest of the games. He 
had two interceptions, but Imari Dimbricato had 150 yards rushing, 8.8 yards a carry. It was the TCU defense and special teams that really won the game against the Michigan Wolverines, and nobody gave TCU a chance. TCU wasn't even ranked in the preseason AP Top 25 poll. Nobody expected first-year head coach Sonny Dykes to take the Horned Frogs anywhere. They were projected to finish 7th in the Big 12. And now the TCU Horned Frogs, a decade ago, were in the Mountain West. They're playing in the national championship. It is an incredible Cinderella story because they are the first non-power college football team since Virginia Tech in 1999 play for a national championship i actually look back at all the record books it's the traditional powers that play in the national championship your ohio states your oklahomas your uscs your oregons and i'm just looking back and maybe virginia tech in 1999 with michael vick they did not expect them to be there and tcu is kind of in that situation well they play the georgia bulldogs at sofi stadium in los angeles on Monday night for a shot at the national championship, Georgia is trying to become the first college football team since Alabama in 2012 to go back-to-back. -back. And an interesting stat, no team from the state of Georgia has gone back-to-back. -back. I'm talking Braves, Atlanta United. Your teams in Georgia have not won back-to-back -back championships, and the Georgia Bulldogs could be the first. Now, Georgia is favored by 13.5 points in this national championship game. And just a little quick preview for the national championship. I think that Georgia will play a lot better. They will clean up their mistakes, especially in the secondary. We don't know about the health of Darnell Washington, but it should be a great game. I think they need to utilize Brock Bowers more. But I think TCU can put up points just like Ohio State did on Georgia because Max Dugan and push the ball down the field. I don't know if TCU is going to be able to run the football against Georgia's defense. I do wake up this morning and I'm hearing all the talks about Ohio State complaining. And I know you have a right to complain because it is Ohio State. Um, and they're saying, well, if Marvin Harrison Jr. didn't get injured in the game, Ohio State would have won. Well, yeah, possibly. You know, and I know Georgia's hearing it from the other side because this is the second year in a row where Alabama fans last year said if Jameson Williams didn't get hurt, then Alabama probably would have won. Who knows? We have no idea. Speaking of those Alabama Crimson Tide, wow. What a game against the Kansas State Wildcats. They really staked their claim on why they should have been in this college football playoff. 45-20, to 20, even though it was a close game. But Bryce Young, he is going to go number one in the NFL draft. Will Anderson is probably going to go number two. Alabama has a lot to be happy for, and I think that Alabama has got to be the favorites to win the national championship, even though you know Jalen Milrow is coming in at quarterback next year, and they're losing Bryce Young and Will Anderson. They're still losing a lot, but Nick Saban, once again, he is not slowing down. He had the number one recruiting class. I don't know about their coordinators. Bill O'Brien might go take the offensive coordinator position in New England. And Pete Golding, I just don't know if he is going to stick around. But Alabama does have talent. Their schedule gets a little bit easier. They had a gauntlet of a schedule this year. 
Look at all the road teams they had to play at Texas, at Tennessee, at LSU, at Arkansas, at Ole Miss. And you have two losses that were on last-second plays, and that's why Alabama did not get into the college football playoff because they had two losses. Everybody else had one. Alabama's going to be back. In the Nick Saban era, they do not go three years without winning a national championship. So the Crimson Tide are going to be back. Georgia, I actually don't know what they're going to do without Stetson Bennett. His leadership, you cannot teach this. He's got the intangibles and just willing his team back to win that game was incredible. So the question surrounding Jim Harbaugh is, does he have anything left to prove at Michigan? There are rumors and speculation that Jim Harbaugh's next move is going to be in the NFL. And with the Denver job opening up and the Carolina job possibly opening up, I think that Jim Harbaugh could entertain the idea of going back to the NFL. Bottom line is Jim Harbaugh is a great coach in the NFL and in college. What he has done at Michigan has been great, but I just don't think that Michigan can get over the mountaintop and win a national championship. This could be the furthest that Michigan can go. They're set up perfectly next year. They're getting a lot of their players returning. They play Ohio State in the big house. Michigan has accomplished what they needed to do. They've beaten Ohio State twice, and they could beat them a third time next season. Michigan has really put a staple on themselves as one of the big-time teams in the Big Ten. Jim Harbaugh's had a successful tenure at the University of Michigan. I think he's jumping to the NFL. The Denver Broncos have expressed that they want to go after a big hire. More than likely, they're not going to go after Sean Payton because Payton said he wanted to bring Vic Fangio along as his defensive coordinator, and that would be a little bit awkward because Vic Fangio was the head coach for the Denver Broncos just last year. I think if the money is right, I think that the Denver Broncos could go after Jim Harbaugh. Funny story, Jim Harbaugh's staff in San Francisco, Greg Roman was the offensive coordinator, Vic Vangio was the defensive coordinator, so you got that as well. But who's he going to bring on in his staff? And can he turn around this once proud franchise that won the Super Bowl back in 2016 and have not made the playoffs since then? They thought that they were a shoe-in to be a Super Bowl contender when they brought Russell Wilson around. That experiment did not work. But I think Jim Harbaugh will entertain the idea of going to the NFL. NFL Week 17. You know, I really can't talk much about the Falcons because their season is over. They did defeat the Arizona Cardinals 20-19. But there's a lot of Falcons fans complaining. The Cardinals had half their team on injured reserve. And they barely squeaked out a win on a last-second field goal by young Way Koo. 20-19. Now Desmond Ritter, a 90 quarterback rating, 19-26 169, but no touchdowns. He was efficient, but the Falcons have got to get their identity. Even though they're going to miss out on the playoffs, and they could finish 7-10 and 10 once again, and I got on this show, and I said that Arthur Smith should be on the hot seat. Well, he's going to be on the hot seat if they don't make the playoffs next year. they got to build an identity. Next year, Tyler Algier is your running back. You've got to run the football with him. Cordell Patterson 
I know you have him at running back, but he needs to be a wide receiver. He was a wide receiver before. You already have your running back, so you don't need to put Cordell Patterson as a running back. Maybe use him like the 49ers do with Debo Samuel. They're going to get Kyle Pitts back. Drake London, he is their featured wide receiver, but they got to go into free agency and get another wide receiver. If Desmond Ritter wants to succeed and be the quarterback going in 2023, he is going to have to get weapons. But the first draft pick that the Falcons have in the 2023 NFL draft, they have got to go get a pass rusher. I've been watching some of the latest mock NFL drafts, and the Falcons, they have them picking one of those talented pass rushers from Clemson. I don't think they're going to be able to get Will Anderson. You're not going to get up in the draft board to get him. Jalen Carter, probably going to be off the board, but the Atlanta Falcons have to go address that pass rusher position, and they have got to build an identity, which they're trying to do. I think that you're going to see a lot of Falcons fans in the ATL with Tyler Algier jerseys because Tyler Algier is the real deal. And they actually got a steal in the fifth round when they got him out of BYU. And it's looking like Terry Fontenot knows what he's doing as the general manager, which is easy to say when you're following the footsteps of Thomas Dimitrov, who was a train wreck for the Falcons. Oh boy, NFL Week 17 was exciting. I just had the privilege, you know, of watching some games. We do have some playoff races that are going on. And let's start with the Eagles because they had an opportunity to wrap up the number one seed. I mean, they lose to the Saints at home 20 to 10. Eagles fans are going to make all the excuses in the world. Oh, we didn't have Jalen Hurts. Well, the Cowboys didn't have Dak Prescott for five weeks. But they lose 20-10. to 10. They miss out on getting the number one seed. And now they have to beat the Giants next week to get the number one seed. Because right on the doorsteps of the number one seed for the Philadelphia Eagles is the San Francisco 49ers. Who actually catapulted themselves to the number two seed after the Vikings lost to the Packers. And I'll get into that. But the San Francisco 49ers were able to Gut out a win against the Las Vegas Raiders, 37-34 in overtime. I think the Raiders found their quarterback of the future. The former Auburn quarterback, Jared Stidham, had a great game for the Las Vegas Raiders. And I think that they have got to give him a shot to be the quarterback next year. And, you know, he came over to Las Vegas from the New England Patriots because he worked under Josh McDaniel, who is the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. But Jared Stidham, despite two interceptions, and one that was costly that lost the game for him in overtime, he passed for 365 yards. And Devontae Adams looked comfortable. He looked like he was happy in the Raiders' offense. They welcome back Darren Waller. Josh Jacobs is a very good running back, and the Raiders have a great offense. So the 49ers' defense, who's not used to getting in shootouts, Brock Purdy was tested. I know he didn't have the great first half. He did throw an interception. It was just a great play by the Raiders' corner. But Brock Purdy, his completion percentage was down from his first three starts. Brock Purdy passed another test for the 49ers. Not only did he get the win after being down 10 points, but he willed his team to march all the way down the field, and the 49ers had a chance to win it in regulation, and Robbie Gould missed a chip shot field goal, 
and the 49ers defense bailed out Brock Purdy, and Robbie Gould kicks the game winner in overtime. And now the 49ers have won nine straight. It's their longest winning streak since 1997. The 49ers are now the number two seed, and I believe they're going to beat the Cardinals next week. I mean, they could still rest all their players, still beat the Cardinals, who are on their fourth-string quarterback, and they'll get the number two seed at least. The 49ers still didn't have Debo Samuel. Now, Dre Greenlaw and Aaron Banks left with injuries, and now they got to try to get rested. I don't think the Giants are going to be able to beat the Eagles. That would be nice if the 49ers got the number one seed. For now, the 49ers have the number two seed take on the Cardinals next week. And now, here's what the playoff picture looks like. So the Vikings lose to the Green Bay Packers. You know, they're one of those teams. They were 11-0 in one-possession games. The Packers are the hottest team coming in. If you would have told me a month ago the Packers were 4-8, and eight, that they would make the playoffs, I would have laughed. Because, like Aaron Rodgers tells his critics to relax, that they're going to run the table Green Bay had a convincing 41-17 win over the Minnesota Vikings. And the Green Bay Packers control their own destiny. They beat the Detroit Lions next week. They are in the playoffs. Yes, the Green Bay Packers could sneak into the playoffs as a number 7 seed. Which I'm starting to get nervous as a 49ers fan because we could end up seeing a Packers 49ers first round playoff game. Oh boy. Oh, I hope the Lions could actually pull that game off. Now, Seattle has an outside shot at making the playoffs still. They're not quite eliminated. There is a crazy three-way tie between Seattle, the Lions, and the Packers. The Giants actually get into the playoffs beating the Colts. They make the playoffs for the first time since 2016. They are locked into the number six seed. More than likely, will play the Minnesota Vikings in the first round of the playoffs. The Buccaneers, once again, Tom Brady is only Missed out on the playoffs one year in his career. The Buccaneers come from behind and beat the Carolina Panthers. And Mike Evans, have yourself a day. Three receiving touchdowns. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat Carolina 30-24 to to win the division. They will host a home playoff game against more than likely the Dallas Cowboys. It's setting up for Tom Brady to be in the postseason and... Tom Brady in the postseason, does anybody want to face the Buccaneers? I mean, I know that they're probably going to face the Cowboys and they'll probably be an underdog at home, but it's Tom Brady. You can never count this guy out. I don't know what happened where they couldn't run the football, but they got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin involved. And any time that Tom Brady, who looked amazing, 432 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, once again, Tom Brady is the LeBron factor. And the Buccaneers get to be a desperate team. He will turn on the switch. Kind of like what LeBron does. You know, in the regular season, LeBron's teams will sleepwalk and they'll be like a number two seed or a number three seed in the NBA playoffs. But it doesn't matter about home court. They get into the playoffs and LeBron flips the switch. I believe Tom Brady is flipping the switch. This was a must-win game for the Buccaneers, and they put the clamps down on a Panthers team that looked pretty good with Sam Darnold. But they were playing at home. They get the win. They're back in the playoffs. And I know that a lot of people were writing off Tom Brady this year that he had a bad year, but just after that game, Tom Brady has not skipped a beat. 
And what he's doing at age 45 is amazing. So we actually have a much clearer picture in the NFC. Now let's go over to the AFC because tonight, a huge Monday night football game that could determine home field advantage in the AFC. The Buffalo Bills taking on the red-hot Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. And you know the Bengals haven't even wrapped up the division. After the Baltimore Ravens losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are still alive, Bengals can clinch the NFC North with a win against Buffalo tonight. Now, if Buffalo wins and they beat the New England Patriots next week, they will have the number one seed and home field advantage throughout the playoffs with a first-round bye. With Kansas City beating Denver, and I think, I I actually don't know. I mean, looking at the way that Jared Stidham played against the 49ers, that Saturday night game between the Chiefs and the Raiders, it is not a foregone conclusion that the Chiefs are just going to win that game. Jared Stidham looked amazing, and I think he's got a shot. Because the Raiders are playing at home. They got all their weapons back. But if you think that Buffalo is going to lose to Cincinnati and the Chiefs are going to just automatically win that game against Las Vegas, you got another thing coming. Because here's another playoff scenario. Let's say the Chiefs lose to the Raiders, and that's why they move that game to Saturday night so they can determine who's going to get home field advantage in the AFC, which it's all up for grabs. There's a chance that the Cincinnati Bengals could get home field advantage. Because remember, Buffalo and Cincinnati both have the tiebreaker over the Chiefs. So the Chiefs got a very narrow win. It's going to be a must-win game for Kansas City next week. But I am really excited to see that game on Saturday night. Jared Stidham going up against Patrick Mahomes. And it should be a lot of fun. All right, so looking at the rest of the AFC playoff picture, it's not as murky as, you know, the Los Angeles Chargers beat the Rams 31-10. to The Chargers actually overtook the Baltimore Ravens for the number five seed after the Ravens lost to the Steelers. The Steelers are still alive, but here is the playoff situation for the Steelers. They have got to beat the Browns in Week 18 and hope that the Patriots lose to the Bills, and they got to hope that the Dolphins lose to the Jets. The Jets got eliminated from the playoffs after losing to the Seahawks 23-6 in Seattle. And the New York Jets miss out on the playoffs. And that longest drought for making the playoffs is still intact. It has been 13 years. The New York Jets have not made the playoffs since 2010. Jacksonville beats Houston 31-3. And they got a big showdown with the Tennessee Titans on Saturday night for the division it looks like it's a win-and-in scenario, even though the Titans have been awful. The Jacksonville Jaguars have a shot at winning that division and making the playoffs. The Cleveland Browns knocked the Washington Commanders out of the playoffs 24-10. to And then let's talk about some of the other games in Week 17 that really didn't have any playoff implications. Uh, not a whole lot. You still had a lot of good games the Detroit Lions, they're still alive after beating the Bears 41-10. to Really, that Atlanta-Arizona game was really the only game on the slate that had no effect on the playoffs. But I, I just loved watching, you know, the Patriots beating the Dolphins 23-21. to Miami's now down to their third-string quarterback. They play the Jets next week. Miami Dolphins do. Uh, the New England Patriots taking on the Bills next week. That Steelers game on Sunday night. The Pittsburgh Steelers are still alive for the playoffs. I think Mike Tomlin has got to be coach of the year. 
This was supposed to be a rebuilding season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Kenny Pickett has proven that he is going to be the quarterback. He had some bumps and bruises in the road. He's got his running back, Najee Harris. Got his wide receiver, George Pickens. The Pittsburgh Steelers were not supposed to make the playoffs. And they have an outside shot. They just got to rely on Miami and the New England Patriots to lose. And so they're going to be scoreboard watching. Week 18 is going to be fun. It is going to be jam-packed. I cannot wait. And then in two weeks, we'll have the playoffs. And it's really a great time just to watch sports. I know that a lot of people have a day off from work today. And so we do have some bowl games that are going on. I know we have a national championship that's coming up on Monday. But we have a bowl game that's starting at noon. Uh, Mississippi State taking on Illinois. It is going to be the first game that Mississippi State is going to play without their head coach, Mike Leach, who passed away earlier. They're still going to play this bowl game, the Reliquest Bowl at noon, and then the Citrus Bowl at 1 p.m., the LSU Tigers taking on the Purdue Boilermakers. And then you have the Cotton Bowl, Tulane taking on USC. And I'm looking forward to watching these games. I want to see Caleb Williams. I think that he should be playing in that game. Uh, Penn State and Utah, the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. Always a tradition to watch the Rose Bowl. And ESPN's just got a great lineup where they have a Rose Bowl and then they have Monday Night Football. And it should be a lot of great football still being played. And we can't forget about the FCS National Championship between South Dakota State and North Dakota State. That always happens on January the 7th. And good times. Good times in sports. All right, I do want to talk a little bit about the NBA. Because on Friday, LeBron proved that he is still an elite player. He turned age 38. And he dropped 47 on the Atlanta Hawks. Yes, 47. And right now, the Atlanta Hawks are 17-19. and 19. Their season starting to slip away, even though they're in the play-in game, if the season ended today. And they take on the Golden State Warriors late tonight at 10 p.m. If you're a Hawks fan, you know, staying up and watching that game, yeah. Well, the Lakers, they take on the Hornets today, 15-21. They're on the outside of the play-in game. But LeBron just proved... That he goes into Atlanta, you know, he's celebrating his birthday in Atlanta, and he wills his team to the victory by scoring 47 points. The Lakers had no AD. Russell Westbrook was a non-factor. And so LeBron is just carrying his team by himself. All right, so you look at the NBA right now as we go into 2023 and football starts winding down. We start paying attention to the NBA. And we've got some teams that are really starting to turn the corner and they could make a championship run. And I'm talking about the Brooklyn Nets. Winners of 11 straight. They're only a game and a half behind the Boston Celtics. We thought it was a collision course between the Celtics and the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that Brooklyn has a case to make the Eastern Conference Finals. And even the NBA Finals. You get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving playing together. And Ben Simmons is contributing. And the Brooklyn Nets are 24-12. and 12, And they're starting to peak and get hot at the right time. Still have some great teams in the Eastern Conference that 
are right there on the playoff bubble. Miami, 19-18. and 18. Tyler Hero with some heroics. And when Miami has all their pieces, they're a dangerous team. They're right now would be in the play-in game. I don't know. I mean, right now the Atlanta Hawks, they are the ninth seed. They would be in the playing game if the season ended today, but they have lost three straight. The Bulls and the Raptors are a game back. they got to figure something out. Otherwise, they could miss out on the playoffs altogether because there's a lot of teams that are clipping on their heels. Over in the Western Conference, the Denver Nuggets look like the most talented team, but the Memphis Grizzlies have the most depth. They were able to beat the Sacramento Kings last night. And then the New Orleans Pelicans. You have three teams up in top of the Western Conference that are non-conventional teams that have not reached an NBA Finals that are top of the West. Now, Dallas, right now they're the number four seed, but they won the championship in 2011, and they went to the Finals in 2006. We have another team, the Clippers, that have never reached the NBA Finals, and the Sacramento Kings. So your top six teams in the Western Conference, only one has reached the NBA Finals. So we have a lot of non-conventional teams at the top of the West. The teams that are fighting for the play-in spot, Phoenix, Golden State, Portland, and Utah, well, Phoenix and Golden State have been to the last five NBA Finals. You look, the Warriors won the Finals last year. Phoenix went to the Finals in 2021. The Warriors went to the Finals. And I'm, not, I'm not counting the bubble year, but Phoenix and Golden State, Phoenix, 20-17, and 17, always had a great regular season, and they haven't really had a, the greatest of a regular season so far. Golden State Warriors, 19-18, and 18, and they've won four straight. You think they would figure it out and make a deep run into the playoffs once the postseason starts. We got some college basketball that's happening this week. And, you know, like I said, I'm going to have some condensed shows. I'm only going to do three shows this week. But, you know, Kentucky getting a big win over Louisville. But you have some top 25 matchups tonight. West Virginia taking on Oklahoma State and Rutgers taking on the number one team in all of college basketball, the Purdue Boilermakers. And Georgia is hosting the Auburn Tigers Wednesday at Stegman Coliseum. Georgia's 10-3. As they get ready to SEC play, they have exceeded their expectations. Georgia Tech will play the University of Miami Georgia Tech has lost three straight ACC games. That's not how you want to start out. Josh Pastner is on the hot seat. Georgia Tech is 0-3. Not off to a great start for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Columbus State men's basketball team, they fall to North Carolina Pembroke on New Year's Eve. 73-65. Columbus State is now 7-5, 0-2 in the Peach Belt. And they will take on Flagler this Wednesday. The Lady Cougars will take on Flagler first. And Columbus State will be in action down in St. Augustine, Florida. Their next home game, the Cougars and Lady Cougars, will be back at the Lumpkin Center this Saturday against their longtime rival, the Lakers, from Clayton State University. And as always, you can catch those games on 88.5 WCUG, Cougar Radio, or just come out to the Lumpkin Center and catch some Columbus State basketball. And it should be a lot of fun. They had a long Christmas break. So with some well-deserved time off, they want to get back into the thick of things in the Peach Belt Conference. And that is a good way to start. 
Well, don't look now, but the Columbus River Dragons are the hottest team in the Federal Prospects Hockey League. They look unstoppable. They are on fire after getting the big road victory down in Biloxi, Mississippi. They come back to the Columbus Civic Center and they sweep the Mississippi Sea Wolves. They take three games from the Mississippi Sea Wolves in just a great atmosphere New Year's Eve. A lot of fans at the Columbus Civic Center. And then on Sunday afternoon, Jay Krupp with the hat trick. The Columbus River Dragons defeat the Mississippi Sea Wolves 9 to nothing. They get ready to host a two-game series this weekend against the Motor City Rockers. It's going to be the first time they're going to play Motor City this season. But right now, they are leading the Continental Division with a 21-2-1 record with 62 points. And right behind them, the next best team is the Danbury Hattricks over in the Empire Division with 57 points. But it looks like they're going to wrap up this division. The next team that's behind them has got 44 points, the Port Huron Prowlers. And your leading goal scorers for the Columbus River Dragons, it is Jacob Kelly leading the way with 21 goals, followed by Alex Storjahan with 17. You got Thomas Allworth with 10. And Jay Krupp with that hat trick, he's tied with Cody Wickline for fourth on the team with nine goals. Great to see Jay Krupp, the savvy veteran. He even was the interim coach for Boom Boom Burchard. Jay Krupp has just got a bright future in coaching when his playing career is over, but he's not quite done yet. The savvy captain who's been a guest on this show is proving that he could still play at a high level, and he is just a fan favorite. He's a very approachable guy, takes pictures with the fans, and it was just great to see him out on the ice and get that hat trick. All right, as this is the first show of 2023, before I close, I just want to say I really appreciate all the support and all the love from the fans and for everybody that has listen to this podcast and download the podcast and listen to it on the radio station. You know, 2023 is going to be a very special year. We got a lot to cover. The Columbus Rapids are going to be back in action at the Columbus Civic Center February the 1st. We got the live shows at Ivy Park. We're going to have our next live show this Tuesday night. That will be replayed here on WQEE on Wednesday. And then I'm going to have a condensed show on Thursday, I'm going to have a best of show on Friday, and I will definitely get back and have some more guests here on the show as we will preview the national championship between Georgia and TCU. Oh, it's just going to be incredible. Great times are coming here on the show as I approach my three-year anniversary. Absolutely. I cannot believe I've been doing this show for three years. Now, we'll also be approaching a year at this station. So a lot of great milestones. And I tell you, I am just truly blessed just to be a part of the WQEE family. And hopefully I will have my broadcast partner and co-host, Corey Bank, on tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. You don't want to miss it. Well, that is all the time I have here on the show. I do want to thank all my listeners who have downloaded the podcast and subscribed to the Facebook and Twitter channel. And I'll be back on tomorrow. So hope everybody has a great rest of your day. And I am out of here. 
Hi, everybody. You are listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM The Key from 2 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. This is a local podcast that covers Columbus sports and beyond. If you would like to hear more of this podcast, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.